All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today, we're going to be talking about the Falcons' final roster moves. We'll be talking quite a bit about the decision to bring Matt Bryant back under the fold this season. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years at Falcons. Uh, on Twitter, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the Falcons roster moves that they made over the weekend, primarily talking about their cuts. We'll talk quite a bit about Matt Bryant and him officially being back in the fold. We've sort of been expecting this since Thursday that the Falcons would be bringing Matt Bryant back. Uh, since word first broke that he was going to be working out with the team. Uh, but before we get there, guys, I want to let you guys know that the opening week of this NFL season is brought to you by Matt Weldon. Matt Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Matt Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Without further ado, let's jump into the Locked On Falcons lead story. The Falcons uh, made it official on Saturday by re-signing the 44-year-old kicker, Matt Bryant, to a one-year, $3 million deal. It's notable since when the Falcons originally decided to part ways with Bryant back in early February, they wound up saving about $2.83 million against their 2019 salary cap. So technically, it was a little bit of a net loss for the Falcons. Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov spoke on Saturday, indicating that the Falcons brass had begun discussions of bringing Matt Bryant back over the course of the last month as it became clear to them um, that their decision or previous decision to turn the keys over and, and make Giorgio Tavecchio their starting kicker proved to be a poor choice or the wrong decision. Of course, well over 95% of the Falcons fan base could have sort of instructed them that that was a poor choice. But the Falcons did indeed save some face, and the hope is now that Bryant will be able to show that he has enough in the tank and and stabilize their kicking situation in 2019, even given his age. But then again, Bryant did make 95% of his kick last year, which was one of the best marks in the NFL in 2018. So if he's only as good as he was a year ago, then there's no real indications that he is slowing down in any shape or form. To obviously clear space for re-signing Brian to Falcons, cut Giorgio Tavecchio on Saturday, along with Blair Walsh, a player that they had brought in earlier this week to compete with Tavecchio. The team made a series of several other cuts on Saturday, getting their roster down to 53 players. Very few were major surprises. Notably, the Falcons did decide to keep undrafted free agent wide receiver Alameda Zacchaeus as their sixth wide receiver. Zacchaeus was the lone undrafted free agent to survive the Falcons' initial cuts and ostensibly replaces six-round draft pick Marcus Green, who was also part of the team's cuts. Zacchaeus and Green were comparable players in terms of size and speed, and Green was expected to serve as the team's return specialist in 2019, but struggled with ball security, muffing a pair of punts during the preseason. Zacchaeus also muffed the same number of punts but ultimately proved to be a little bit more enticing thanks to his ability on offense as a pure wide receiver. Zacchaeus finished third on the Falcons, 
in receptions and yards this preseason with 10 catches for 110 yards. Meanwhile, Green only had a single catch for eight yards and saw only minimal snaps on offense this preseason. Instead, now that Green has been cut, the team's return specialist in 2019 is expected to be Kenyon Barner, a, a more proven option. Um, Barner won the job, arguably, however, by default, thanks to the struggles of both Green and Zakiris to retain the ball. Barner managed to return just a single punt and two kickoffs all summer in the preseason, but did manage to show his trademark explosiveness when he nearly scored on a 37-yard screen pass in the team's second preseason game against the Miami Dolphins. You know, the biggest surprise of the Falcons' cuts probably was the retention of fullback Ricky Ortiz. Ortiz won the team's fullback battle a year ago, but over the course of the second half of the 2018 season was deactivated for a number of games. In fact, the Falcons opting not to have a fullback on their active game day roster in four out of their final eight games in the 2018 season. The expectation going into 2019 was that scenario would carry over with the hiring of new offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter, who often opted for an extra tight end rather than a true fullback uh, during his days as the head coach and play caller for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, despite seeing a steady mix of tight ends like Luke Stocker and Jaden Graham taking snaps at the fullback throughout the preseason, as well as fifth-round running back Quadra Olison also getting some looks at fullback in the Falcons' preseason finale this past week, the Falcons still opted to keep a true fullback like Ortiz on the roster for now. Of course, the Falcons followed that up on Sunday by signing seven players to their practice squad and quarterback Danny Etling, wide receiver Christian Blake, Offensive lineman Sean Harlow, defensive tackle Justin Zimmer, defensive lineman Jacob Tuoti Mariner, defensive end Austin Larkin, and safety Chris Cooper. Falcons have still three remaining spots on their practice squad that they will likely fill in the coming days and weeks this week. The NFL regular season, of course, kicks off this Thursday with a matchup between the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers, and of course, the Falcons will be facing off against the Minnesota Vikings on the road this Sunday to kick off their 2019 regular season. So there you have it, guys. We'll get into more of this talking quite a bit about Matt Bryant and the Falcons decision and my emotional state because, you know, this is my podcast. So, you know, this is my therapy session. So I get to wax poetic about things that affect me and, and of course, ignore and dismiss things that affect you guys. Uh, but, you know, that's the value of having a microphone. And, of course, you have to listen to every word I have to say. We'll talk about that. And then, of course, we'll close out the show getting into sort of the nitty gritty of some of the roster decisions and at least my thoughts on some of these moves. If you've been listening to this podcast for days, weeks, months, a lot of these moves you, you saw coming. But, uh, you know, we'll get there eventually on today's episode. But the NFL season begins next weekend, which means Crossover Wednesday will be back. For the entire NFL regular season, you will get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts of opposing teams on the Lockdown Podcast Network will meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcast, and be sure not to miss NFL listeners' favorite segment. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night with Chicago and Green Bay kicking off the season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. To play single-game showdown is simple. Just draft six players from the season-opening game, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using the code LOCKEDON will receive a 
free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing will get those juices flowing like having a shot at a million dollar payday. Download the DraftKings app right now and use code LOCKEDON. For a limited time, new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. And new users don't miss the extra special week one bonus. Enter code LOCKEDON to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code LOCKEDON only at DraftKings. Make it rain. So before we get into the final cuts, I do want to say, you know, I got to gloat as I am, you know, me, Locked on Falcons, you know, the egotistical daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. But I did manage to get 50 out of 53 correct. You know, in my brain, I want to say 51 out of 53. The only players on my final th- uh, roster projection from Tuesday. Um, and I know many of you were sitting here with bated breath all weekend. Wondering, you know, what the tally was on my roster projections. And even if you're not, I'm still going to tell you. But yeah, um, on Tuesday, my final 53-man roster projection, the only two players I missed were, or the only three players, again, yeah, it's crazy, Giorgio Tavecchio, Bruce Carter, and Austin Larkin. Um, and instead, basically, Ricky Ortiz and Alameda Zacchaeus and Matt Bryant made it in, instead of those three players. You know, for me, the Matt Bryant situation if you've been listening to this podcast for the last several weeks and, and going back into February was a, a, a pretty emotional one for me. And I thought it was interesting on Saturday where the Falcons sort of released Thomas Dimitrov talking about the Matt Bryant situation, which I don't know, obviously I, I'm a little cynical. I'm, I'm, a, you know, I am me as you guys well know, but it was just, it was kind of a weird sort of statement because it made, it made it seem like the Falcons were like, yeah, this is, I don't know if the this wasn't what Thomas Dimitrov said, but it just got this impression that people were trying to spin it as if like this was some masterstroke plan that the Falcons had always had, and it was just like no, they just realized that you know they were wrong in cutting Matt Bryant. You know, for me, it was one of those things like how how I would have handled the situation, and this is you got to understand. Obviously, this is my perspective on the issue, and, and thus why I think the things, the various things that I think. For me, it was a shock to me that the Falcons wound up cutting Matt Bryant. I fully expected the Falcons to keep both Matt Bryant and Giorgio Tavecchi on the roster after the season. Because I figure, you know, Matt Bryant might retire, you know, and players don't necessarily know if they're going to retire in February versus in May or whatever. You know, you need to give these guys time because they, you know, after the season's over, they go off, their bodies are sore, you know, they're mentally sort of torn down, and then they need, you know, weeks off months off with their family to sort of get back and and then if they get that itch and their bodies heal and whatnot and they still have that itch in April and May and whatnot with OTAs and mini camps and all those various things and that means okay they know okay I want to play football again I want to keep this thing going and for a player like Matt Bryant given what he's done for this franchise over the last decade given you know the issues that he dealt with injury wise at the end of last season my expectation was the Falcons would basically afford him that right similar to what they did with Tony Gonzalez years ago, which is like, take your time, Tony, before you figure out. Same thing with Matt Bryant. Take your time, Matt. Figure out what you're going to do. But in the meanwhile, we have this young kicker named Giorgio Tavecchio, who's a, a young, talented kicker that we'll bring as an insurance policy. And, you know, if Matt Bryant decides that he still wants to play football, then the job is, is again, presumably Matt Bryant's, unless he basically just starts shanking kicks in the preseason, then, you know, they would actually, there would be a, a legitimate competition 
potentially if that were the case. But if not, then the Falcons could wind up trading Giorgio Tavecchio and getting some value for him. That was sort of my mentality at the end of the season. And so when the Falcons cut Matt Bryan, it was a shock to me. And I, I know a lot of people were like, you know, why are you shocked that the Falcons didn't keep Giorgio Tavecchio around because, you know, they were planning on getting rid of him. And, you know, a lot of people were saying to me like, hey, you know, you can't let this young, talented kicker go. And I'm like, look, we found Giorgio Tavecchio on the street during the final preseason game. People acting like this is, you know, you know, that was the thing that, threw me for a curve where people were acting like this was a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation where you had an Aaron Rodgers behind a Brett Favre and like a quarterback in that situation, this guy's got to get on the field and we got to get, we got to evaluate this young first round pick a quarterback. And if we let Giorgio to, you know, if we let Aaron Rodgers go, we're screwed. And the thing I said then was like, people were acting like, Giorgio Tavecchio's Aaron Rodgers, and I'm like, this dude could very easily be Matt Flynn. We're judging his ability to stick in this league based off of, you know, three games here in Atlanta and one season in Oakland. Again, as, as I said many times on this podcast, not to be sound like a hater or anything like that, I really did like what Giorgio Tavecchio did in Oakland when he stepped in for Sebastian Janikowski in 2017. But I don't feel like Giorgio Tavecchio is somehow this, like, Again, this Aaron Rodgers type of potential kicker in the sense of like the Falcons couldn't let him go and they'll never be able to find another great kicker. It's not like a quarterback situation. You know, that's how I sort of felt about it at that time back in February. I remember arguing that with folks at that time. And so, you know, a lot of it is a little bit of hindsight when I say that the Falcons could have shopped Giorgio Tavecchio to a certain extent because I didn't understand, obviously, in February that so many teams would have kicking issues as they did this summer. Um, you know, we knew the Bears at the end, by that time in February, had major issues at the kicking situation. But outside of that, you didn't know the, uh, any of the other 30 teams would have these issues. But we saw, you know, several other teams, Dallas, Baltimore, Minnesota, I mean, not Baltimore, Minnesota, um, now Carolina with Graham Gano being out for the season. So many other teams had kicking issues, and to be able to, you know, a, a scenario where the Falcons brought Matt Bryant and Giorgio Tavecchio back, and then, you know, Bryant proved to be Matt Bryant, and then the Falcons could dangle Giorgio Tavecchio as a trade bait, and hopefully, you know, without the pressure of being the guy on him, he still would have made some kicks and thus would have retained his trade value. You know, that's obviously hindsight for me right now, but like that to me was the smart strategy. And again, that's. The strategy I would have went with in February if it was me running the team. And again, I understood the Falcons thinking, oh, well, you know, kicking in the Georgia Dome, or I'm sorry, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium is exceptionally easy, at least based off of the 2018 season where pretty much every, you know, 99% of field goals were made last season. Why are we paying $4 million or whatever to Matt Bryant when we can pay, you know, 15 cents on the dollar essentially and get probably 85% of production? Again, when you use that sort of cold logic, it makes sense to me. But for me, at least, like that sort of cold logic shouldn't have applied to Matt Bryant. Because I think when you look at the last decade of this Falcon team, when you look at the Mount Rushmore of the most impactful players for this Falcon team, obviously you have Mount Ryan as the big head on that mountain. You can argue who Leo Jones and Roddy White are the other two heads. And then I think Matt Bryan is the fourth head on that mountain. When you go back and you look at Matt Ryan, go to profootballreference.com. Go to Matt Ryan's game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comeback section of his player page. And 
you go click, start clicking on those box scores and how many of those game-winning drives, how many of those fourth-quarter comebacks were capped off by a Matt Bryant kick, that if you didn't have a reliable kicker in those situations, how many games would the Falcons have lost over the last you know, 10, 12 years when, of this Matt Ryan era, which has been the most successful era of this Falcons franchise? Um, you know, that's to me is the, the big question. And so I, I, you know, one of the things I talked about earlier this summer and, and, and a couple of years ago on this podcast was, you know, the whole situation with Roddy White. And for me with Roddy White, you know, going back in that 2014 and 2015 season, you know, I was very critical of Roddy White then. I, I never had the affinity of Roddy White that I think a lot of fans had in terms of like, you know, when people, if you would ask people between 2008 and 2014 or, or whenever, who, were you, who was your favorite Falcon player? A lot of Falcon fans would have said Roddy White. And if you ask them, who are your top three favorite Falcon players? I think the overwhelming majority of the Falcon fan base would have had Roddy White in their top three. He wouldn't have been in my top three. Not again, I respected the hell out of Roddy White, loved what he did on the field, on, on the football field, but he was never a player that I was like, this guy is like one of my favorite players on this team and in this league. He was just like, yeah, he's a really good player on the team. I like him, but he's not, you know, he's not my guy. And so then in 2014, when his play dropped off, and then again, even further in 2015, in large part due to the injuries and the knees um, and, you know, struggling to separate at that point in his career, you know, I was very vocally sort of like, oh, Roddy White's bad, Roddy White's, you know, because I wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. I wanted, it was, you know, egotistical for me to sort of be while all these fans who aren't watching film, you know, and you know me, I'm a film snob. But all these fans that aren't watching films saying, like, Roddy White still got it. And we need to fire our offensive coordinator in the case of Kyle Shanahan because, you know, he's he's trolling us with how he's using Roddy White and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, no, guys, if you're watching the film, you would see that Roddy White is not very good. And, you know, again, because of my ego of trying to be the smart guy in the room and seeing very little criticism of, of Roddy White in the media, in you know, on the timeline and in various other places, to me, you know, sort of taking it upon myself to sort of balance out the narrative and be like, I'm going to be extra critical of Roddy White because he's getting zero criticism, or at least I'm perceiving that he's getting zero criticism when he deserves a little bit more criticism um, and trying to balance that out myself by just going all in on, you know, Roddy White's not good anymore, blah, blah, blah. And after that point, I think I, you know, I did realize, I realized that I was wrong for that. And, like, to me, this whole Matt Bryant, the reason I tell you that story is because I think this Matt Bryant situation is basically the similar thing. In that Matt Bryant is on the pantheon of great Falcons, um, certainly over the last 10 plus years. You know, whether you want to put him on, you know, the top 10 or, or whatever over the last 50 years, you know, is up for debate or whatever. But Matt Bryant, the point I'm trying to make is Matt Bryant has been instrumental to the success. And I, I do feel like a lot of people sort of were, you know, trying to be the smart guy with, you know, we, we got to keep this Giorgio Tavecchio kid and blah, 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 and, and making that cold, calculated decision. Um, you know, Falcons obviously were of that thinking at once upon a time as well. I, look, I, I think they made the same mistake I made in 2014 and 2015 and 2016 in, in you know, disrespecting a legend is basically what the point I'm trying to make. And so that's one of those things that I learned. Um, then, and I, I, you know, kind of applies now, uh, to this situation. So that's, that's sort of how I feel about the whole Matt Bryant situation, but we'll, we'll sort of get into the nitty gritty of these roster battles in, in just a moment. Um, but, uh, you know, guys, college football is back, uh, and the Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered with a whole host of 
college football shows, including Locked On SEC Football. You can also check out two draft-related shows if you're not, you know, locked on a specific team, but you just want to get a jump on 2020 NFL Draft. You got the Locked On NFL Draft podcast hosted by Trevor Sikkema and Ben Solak. You have the Draft News podcast hosted by Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Find them on what your favorite podcast platform, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So the Falcons brought back Matt Bryant, gaining a little bit of extra confidence in their kicking game, and you too can gain some extra confidence in the bedroom by checking out BlueChew.com. That's blue, just like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Bluetooth is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so you don't have to worry about going to the doctor. You don't have to worry about waiting at line at the pharmacy. And best of all, you don't have to worry about those awkward moments anymore. Bluetooth is made in the USA. It's, since it's prepared and shipped direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, you can take advantage of this special offer by visiting Bluetooth.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. So my um, Matt Bryant rant ran a little long, so I'm not going to go. My original thought was I was going to go position by position, give you my, my thoughts on each position group of the Falcons final roster. But um, given that, I, you know, I've talked extensively about the various positions and players competing for roles over the last couple of weeks. And I apologize if this is the first Lockdown Falcons you're listening to, then you haven't heard my thoughts on those things. But I would recommend that you go back and listen. There's, you know, basically all we've been talking about is the roster the last couple of weeks. So pretty much any episode, you're going to get some thoughts on on some of these position battles and what my thoughts on the various players that won and or lost these battles. Uh, But if you have still specific questions and you're just, you know, lazy as look, I know that laziness feeling as well. Uh, you know, it's a big part of my life, but, um, if, you know, if you just want to ask a specific question about a specific position or whatever, then go ahead you can send them to me on Twitter. I'm at Falc fans. If it's, if you send it to lockdown Falcons, I'm going to assume that you want the question answered on the show, but if you just want a question answered straight away on Twitter or something like that, you could do so on Falc fans. If you want to send me an email, lockdownfalcons at mail.com. That's another place to hit me up for my specific thoughts on things. So, you know, today I'm not going to necessarily go over the entire roster. That's something that we might talk a little bit more about over the course of this week and in the coming weeks. But for the most part, as I said at the top of the show, there weren't really any major surprises. You know, the main things I wanted to hit on was the fullback position, you know, the Falcons keeping Ricky Ortiz. I don't think Ricky Ortiz is as bad as maybe other people think he is, but it was weird to see the Falcons keep a fullback after seemingly making no effort to upgrade that position. And what's difficult with that is it sort of is reminiscent of the issue that we talked about this offseason where you question a little bit the Falcons' identity, or at least I question the Falcons' identity issues on offense because it's like, if the fullback is still going to be an integral part of your offense and you're not just going to have a tight end fill those shoes, like it seemed like the Falcons were headed in that direction, why then are you making almost no effort to get a quality player at the fullback position? We saw that in 2017 with Derek Coleman and, you know, essentially a replacement level player. We saw that again in 2018 with Ricky Ortiz, essentially a replacement level player. 
Did the Falcons bring in any real competition for Ricky Ortiz this offseason? No. Did they bring in at least even a camp body to push for a fullback time? No. And so, it's, again, these, these are the questions I have where it just seems like the Falcons are a little off kilter in terms of exactly what they want to be offensively on offense. But it is what it is. You know, another thing I like to complain about <laughs> is I don't like the fact that the Falcons keep a exclusively return specialist guy in Kenyon Barner, but I guess because Barner brings a little bit more to the table on offense than Marcus Green could potentially could have, you know, it's slightly better. It's the lesser of two evils, I guess, there, but I, I think it's a waste of time. And if you're confused by that opinion, then by all means, that's something that I've discussed ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks. Kudos to Jaden Graham for making a roster. One of the more improved players, I've mentioned this a number of times, I felt like last year he was on the practice squad because the Falcons needed to keep a fourth tight end on the practice squad and was just a body and didn't really do a whole lot in the preseason and I think was one of the most improved players on the team from last year to this year and made that year or two jump that we constantly talk about guys needing to make to indicate that they're going to be um, you know, be able to stick in this league. Of course, Danny Etling-Hive is fully strong with him on the practice squad. Uh, surprised to see Sean Harlow make it the practice squad over uh, Chandler Miller, particularly given the fact that we did not get to see Sean Harlow get any in-game reps at the center position. Again, if the Falcons had given Sean Harlow center reps, then you know that center backup center position is pretty thin right now. I think Wes Schweitzer, you know, I think is a functional at best center. We'll have to sort of see. Hopefully, we'll never get the answer to that question because Alex Mack will start all 16 games and play, you know, 99.9% of the snaps uh, outside of maybe some garbage time snaps. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that center position is a little skeptical, the depth there. I think across the rest of the offensive line, depth is solid. Starters, we'll, we'll have to sort of see. But, you know, we're at least quasi-optimistic at this point. Um, edge rusher still is a little thin from my taste, you know, one of the issues I thought when Stephen Means went down was, is it going to be Chris Odom or is it going to be somebody else? Or is it more likely that the Falcons are going to address this position at the end of the summer uh, off the waiver wire? And, you know, I thought the performances of guys like Austin Larkin, who the Falcons signed to the practice squad, as well as Durant Miles and, and Yurik Bethune and some of these other guys in camp was enough that maybe the Falcons could have gone with one of these guys on the roster and probably not played them a ton. Um, this season, but, you know, play some special teams, maybe be inactive most weeks or whatever, and just have a guy developmental option in, the, you know, sort of waiting in the wings. I thought they had shown enough to, to merit that. And of course, the Falcons felt otherwise, I would argue, you know, because they keeping Kenyon Barner on the roster. But, um, you know, Larkin is on the practice squad. I, I do think the Falcons are pretty thin at the at that edge rusher behind tack. And if Vic Beasley, you know, I don't know if Campbell can do those things. I don't know if Claiborne can do those things. I don't know if Kaminsky can do those things. So these are what we talk about when um, when we talk about depth is if you lose a starter, does it change how you play defense? And right now with the Falcons sort of 3-4 or 5-2, whatever you want to call that defensive front that they've been showing pretty consistently with Tack and, and Vic on the field in their base defense, if they lose either one of those guys, I don't think they can play that. They're going to have to go back to being a 4-3 under. And I don't necessarily know if they really have quite the personnel anymore because you still kind of need a Leo type of player to play on the edge in the four, three under. So again, that's a spot that it's a sore depth issue for me, at least glad to see Justin Zimmer still back on the practice squad. I thought he definitely played well enough to earn a roster spot, but that injury that he, that happened to him late in the preseason sort of hurt his chances of sticking on the roster. Uh, 
I'm glad to see the Falcons only keep five linebackers. You know, I'm a big proponent that Kamal Ishmael's not a safety, he's a linebacker. So, you know, keeping six linebackers plus Kamal Ishmael to me was overkill, uh, at least in my eyes. Um, so going with five and, and the three guys, three backups being Ola Kuhn, Grayson, and Duke Riley was, to me, a smart call and having Ishmael be that veteran presence. Basically, the bleedy Ray Wilson of the linebacker room. Um, so the way I sort of see it kind of in my head, even though, you know, we count it differently is I really see the Falcons kept six linebackers with Ishmael being a linebacker and they have three and a half safeties because Casey will probably play, hopefully in my eyes, will play more safety snaps if push comes to shove than Kamal Ishmael. I hope we see zero safety snaps for Kamal Ishmael because I just don't think he's that good in that role. Um, and you know, Casey, so it's, it's really more like nine, um, DBs as opposed to 10. Um, but, you know, they do have Chris Cooper as sort of that sort of uh, emergency practice squad depth stash or whatever the case may be. So, you know, overall, a solid roster for the Falcons. Overall, I think they're poised. Again, I, I think, you know, there are a couple of injury issues that if they lose a couple of starters, which is, you know, I know most people are like, duh, that's the case with every team. I don't necessarily know if that's been the case with the Falcons every year. Um, nor do am I going to sit here and make a proclamation that's the case with every team. And again, it's not depth to me is not necessarily you have a starting caliber player waiting in the wings. That's not to me depth. And I think that's the way that a lot of people sort of think depth. And so when you complain about depth, they're like, well, of course, you're not going to be able to have, you know, 42 starters on your roster. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about depth is what happens when you lose a starter and it completely changes how you play. And I've, Related this back to 2013 when the Falcons lost Julio and Roddy, that they couldn't use the no huddle, which was the bread and butter of their offense during those years because Drew Davis and and all those guys didn't have enough of a grasp on the offense to be able to effectively still run their no huddle. And so therefore, it completely changed how the Falcons played and their offense tanked because of it, because that was the go-to thing of their offense. And so... These are the concerns I have about some of the Falcons' depth at positions like tight end, like D-line, as I mentioned, with, with the lack of an edge rusher. Is it Does it change how the Falcons play uh, because they can't do the same things that they would normally do if they had that starter because they don't trust whether or not their, their backup can basically do those things? So these are the questions I have, and we'll just have to see how the Falcons navigate it this season. Obviously, the roster is not done. They still have three spots on the practice squad that they need to fill. We'll see if they make any more adjustments to the roster. It doesn't seem like it. They were one of the few teams in the league that did not make a claim on anybody. Um, it wasn't as if there was a bunch of quality edge rushers that were cut either. So I'm not I'm not complaining when I say that. I just thought that the Falcons would try to keep one of those guys, but... You know, that's what I'm complaining about. Not not the fact that Falcons had claim a guy. It was just that they cut a guy. Um, you know I me. Mean? I got to find something to complain about. But, um, yeah, there you have it, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with something. Right now, I don't know exactly what the plan is for Tuesday's show um, right now. So I'll figure out something. But, uh, you know, this is going to be rolling five days a week pretty much for the, from here until eternity, until January. So, um, probably February, if we're being honest. So, yeah, new season, Locked on Falcons. Week one is here. Let's go. All right, rise up, guys. And uh, when you rise up and get in your car to <laughs> try to work or whatever, 
Uh, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked Up Falcons, and I'll be right there with you for the drive. That was a that was beautiful. That was a great uh, segue. Listen, guys, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, until then, guys. You are locked on Falcons. Your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.